That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Because of the events that occurred in city council last week, because of the discourse, I think more and more Chicagoans understand that we have to be careful about continuing down the path of division. And our hope with the mayor's leadership is that this will be a catalyzing moment to return us to civility and the ability to disagree, uh, but disagree in ways that don't divide. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is Jason Lee, senior advisor to Mayor Brandon Johnson and one of the most important and influential people in this new administration. Jason, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Fran. Happy to be here. This has been a pretty difficult week for Mayor Brandon Johnson, but a more difficult week for his now former floor leader and zoning chair, Carlos Ramirez Rosa. Not even six months into this new administration, the mayor was forced to pull the plug and force out his most powerful city council ally for bullying, intimidating, literally trying to block the most senior African-American woman in the city council, Emma Mitz, from entering a special meeting called to put an advisory referendum on the ballot asking Chicagoans if their city should remain a sanctuary city that welcomes migrants. Not only that, the mayor of Chicago was forced to cast the tie-breaking vote to prevent the city council from censuring Ramirez Rosa for that conduct. It would have been the first time. Jason, take us through the behind the scenes events that led to all this. The mayor was in Washington lobbying for more migrant funding when all of this went down. When did you get wind that you had a major political problem on your hands and what happened over the weekend? Well, we were uh, in DC um, advocating for more federal resources for Chicago to deal with the migrant crisis. Uh, and we knew that there was a, a potential vote on uh, language uh, related to uh, referendum language related to the Chicago sanctuary city status. We were getting intermittent reports about events that were occurring, namely the number of people that were on the floor at any given time and the fact that there were parliamentary uh, you know, challenges happening and, and, and there wasn't clarity on certain points um, uh, pro Tim uh, Nugent was was uh, president uh, of the meeting. And so uh, folks were working to figure out exactly what was uh, viable and what wasn't. We, we really didn't hear much specifically about these other incidents uh, until, frankly, the next day. Uh, there were some 
conversations that were had on Thursday with updates, but not really specific information or information that we fully understood. I think on Friday, it became clear uh, as more members expressed more concrete concerns that there were incidents that transpired that needed to be addressed. At that point, uh, the mayor made a point of emphasis of first and foremost, getting in contact with Alderwoman Mitz. Now, because of the dramatic circumstances, understandably so, uh, Alderwoman Mitz really wanted to take some time to gather her thoughts uh, and gather herself and center herself after uh, events that, uh, you know, clearly uh, affected her severely. And the mayor's primary concern at that point was talking to Alderwoman Mitz and just trying to understand her perspective, provide some um, consoling and support in that moment. And obviously, understandably, that took some time before Alderwoman Mitz was prepared to, to have a substantive conversation with the mayor, which occurred on Sunday. Uh, at that point, uh, you know, he understood, uh, uh, he also was able to speak with her pastor, trying to understand again what happened and uh, exactly what happened. Now, what he discovered was some of what had been reported by other individuals was inaccurate, uh, but ultimately uh, the actions that did transpire uh, were enough to, to uh, suggest that something inappropriate had happened, something that uh, definitely the mayor would, would not support, and neither would Alderman Rosa uh, in moments, in, in cooler moments. And so uh, conversations were had uh, between the mayor and Alderman Rosa uh, and Alderman Rosen ultimately agreed that 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 at this time, what was best for uh, the city council and best for the city was for him to step down from his post as floor leader uh, and as zoning chair uh, and to put out a statement publicly apologizing to his colleagues uh, and to the city uh, for certain mistakes that were made in the moment that, frankly, I, I, I don't think define who Alderman Rosa is as a person. Uh, those of us who know him know his commitment, his work ethic, his compassion. Uh, he had a bad day. Uh, and unfortunately, that those moments um, put us all in a position that we hope to never be in again. Uh, and I don't think we will. Uh, what we saw yesterday on the floor, both the eloquence uh, uh, of Alderman Mitz and the, and the contrition of Alderman Rosa and then the reconciliation with the hug, I think is a path forward, represents a path forward for us all. Uh, this isn't just about what happened in city council. This is about what's happened throughout Chicago over the last several months as events that we didn't create, global national events, uh, have transpired to put immense pressure on the city of Chicago. And I think one of the goals of that pressure uh, was to pit us against each other. And unfortunately, in certain instances, that's occurred. But I think because of the events that occurred in city council last week, because of the discourse, I think more and more Chicagoans understand that we have to be careful about continuing down the path of division. And our hope with the mayor's leadership is that this will be a catalyzing moment to return us to civility and the ability to disagree, uh, but disagree in ways that don't divide. What part of it was inaccurate? And who's responsible well, for promoting the inaccuracy? Are you talking about Ray Lopez saying well, that he put hands on her, made it sound like he was some kind of bouncer word, at a bar? Right. I mean, the word manhandling uh, was used. And, and Alderman Mutz even, you know, rejected that description. 
that's not to defend anything that transpired because what transpired is something that should never transpire. Uh, and the mayor has made that very clear in both private and public conversation that that activity is not becoming of a member of the city council and no member should ever feel intimidated in any way from doing their duty and representing their constituents. But some of the language and wordage used by those uh, who wanted to, to, to communicate uh, to the media uh, very early in this, uh, I think did create some unnecessary division in the broader city. And it was important to get to the facts, uh, but the facts themselves uh, spoke for themselves and, and, and we move forward accordingly. But I mean, you had at one point the image of this, you know, very big and and strong uh, Hispanic man manhandling a, a, a senior black woman. And it became like a black Hispanic thing, really. Well, yeah, Do you think all, that all the was the point of making, you know, embellishing the story? Alderman Mitz did not use the terminology manhandling. Uh, that was not her primary uh, uh, claim, uh, and she what eloquently. What did she say happened? Her. She was blocked. What did right. she say? And, and, and she. And she uh, what did who say? What did Mitt say? She said she was blocked, but not right. manhandled. Exactly. What did she say? Did exactly. she say he put his hands on her? What I'm saying is what I heard yesterday. What I heard through the media uh, is that she did not characterize what happened as manhandling. What she talked about was a sense of intimidation and bullying and an impediment for her to do her sworn duty to 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 represent her constituents. And that should never happen. And that is that is what we dealt with. And and as a city, that's what we dealt with as a council. Those activities were not are not tolerable. Uh, and so we focused on what transpired and what transpired uh, was enough for, for, for the consequences that, that, that resulted. But again, what we saw yesterday was eloquent communication from Alderman Witts, uh, eloquent contrition from Alderman Rosa, a, a beginning of reconciliation and restoration with the hug. And I think that's the, what we should focus on as we move forward. What gave Carlos the idea that he needed to do whatever it took, including threatening to withhold zoning approval of projects in the wards of those who refused to leave that special meeting, including veteran Felix Cardona, Chris Taliaferro, Nicoli, to prevent there from being a quorum? What, what gave him that idea? I really can't speak to uh, his state of mind at that time, other than to say that the entire city council, the entire city has been under intense pressure. There is a lot of tension uh, in the space in general on a day to day at every city council meeting. Um, and that obviously has affected the actions, the discourse of even members of the body, which we all know uh, we all are collectively responsible as leaders, as elected officials uh, to try to tone down some of the rhetoric and intensity that leads to um, actions that individuals ultimately regret. There was not an expectation. There were many things going on prior to us leaving to Washington, D.C. and the mayor leaving. We knew that this issue was going to come up. We did not suspect that there would be a quorum due to certain parliamentary uh, dynamics uh, that would that that might not allow that language to move forward even with a quorum. And so sometimes under those circumstances, individuals 
choose to focus on uh, other activities in the ward or other meetings they may have. We weren't following it closely from D.C. as uh, in real time because we were literally in meetings with high level officials. The mayor was advocating for resource for Chicago and, and speaking to the issues that individuals were concerned about. So, uh, the, you know, I can't speak to to Alderman Rose's state of mind. I know that, you know, he particularly was very concerned about the implications of putting the sanctuary question on the ballot, uh, as many people were. Because, frankly, the issue of sanctuary has nothing to do with the migrant crisis. So if it doesn't, why are you so afraid of then? Well, the issue of sanctuary is a critical public safety issue for the city. Absolutely essential. I mean, again, the mayor's position was not that anyone should be denied from quorum or from, 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 from making quorum or that anyone should be denied from representing their community or speaking out. I mean, this is a democracy. Obviously, the mayor was on record as disagreeing with it. Uh, because, one, because uh, again, sanctuary is a critical public safety tool. What it says is that Chicago Police Department will not be uh, concerned primarily with enforcing immigration law. We have undocumented people that well before this migrant crisis ever existed, we had a, a significant number of do- undocumented people in Chicago. People who come, they live with a relative, they get work. And, and enter the fabric of our community at no expense to the to the taxpayer. But those individuals uh, need to be able to work with law enforcement without threatening their, their status in this country. They are victims of crime. They witness crime. Uh, they have all kind of roles to play. And if they are too afraid to engage with law enforcement in any way because they're worried that any engagement could lead to deportation, the whole city will become significantly less safe overnight. And so it's very important that 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 we don't confuse the voter uh, about what's at stake, that the sanctuary uh, uh, status is is one of the things keeping Chicago safe. And it has no bearing on whether or not migrants come to Chicago. Carlos, as the floor leader and zoning chair, as I wrote at the time, was always a high risk, high reward political gamble. He is the chair of the Democratic Socialist Caucus. He had a reputation for being kind of a hothead that was frankly well earned. He had already threatened people like Jeanette Taylor, your education chair. If he had turned out to be more collaborative and congenial than his reputation that preceded him and forged relationships with his colleagues and developers, it would have been a huge step forward for the progressive movement and a coup for the mayor chosen. But now you're looking for a new floor leader and a new zoning chair at a time of unprecedented turbulence and tension. In retrospect, was this a mistake? And how embarrassing is this to the mayor of Chicago? It, it, I, I would definitely, I would definitely not characterize it as a mistake. Uh, Alderman Rosa uh, had a strong record of advocating and advancing progressive issues throughout his career, and he does, and and still maintains relationships across the council. Uh, Alderman Rosa had a very bad day on Thursday, uh, an uncharacteristic day relative to how he had performed his duties uh, for months. And he had already advanced legislation uh, alongside the business community related to extended outdoor dining. He had engineered the advancement of several uh, progressive issues to either passage or the cusp of passage. And he had built coalitions across ideological lines on several pieces of legislation. We don't regret the decision 
uh, to appoint Alderman Rosa. The mayor does not regret the decision to appoint Alderman Rosa. He had a very bad day uh, and he has taken accountability for that. And we, part of leadership is to make decisions with confidence and then evaluate information, new circumstances, and then make the correct decision at that point. And that's what the mayor and Alderman Rosa have done. And so do you, do you even need a new floor leader? You look, have think, a new head of IGA coming in, I believe is someone who worked for Madigan. Why can't she handle this with your help? Well, look, I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good uh, point of conversation as to is the floor leader model the only model to advance and move uh, legislation through city council? I don't think it is. And we're having those conversations as we speak. Uh, and members of the of, of, of the aldermanic body have ideas about how that function could work. And so we're talking to them and we'll uh, communicate shortly on the path forward. So who is this new person, Sonia, this uh, IGA person? And can she handle it herself with your help? Ms. Holman, I mean, look, I, I, I think that... Uh, what is her name and what's her background? Uh, Ms. Holman is a... Uh, she currently works at a public affairs firm, but has experience working uh, in, uh, at, at legislative affairs at both the county and state level, uh, worked on legislation, uh, advancing legislation in both, in both institutions. So has experience working in different elected bodies, worked as a public affairs, uh, uh, you know, in a public affairs firm, touching on multiple issues, so has a good understanding of policy. No one can do it alone. Uh, Carl uh, Alderman Rosa wasn't uh, uh, organizing the legislature, legislative body or the automatic body alone. It's a team effort. And obviously the new director of IGA will play a critical role uh, in building relationships and helping manage legislation in the council. So, of course, you know, there's opportunities, uh, you know, for for new structures and for IGA to continue to build its relationships to be even more effective than it's been so far. So is that a better model then? And that, is that something you might do? Not have a floor leader, I, have a new zoning chair? Yeah, I can't speak to whether it's a better model. I know it is a model that certain people are promoting and it's under consideration and advisement. What's the sure positive part of not having a floor leader? Nobody's what, under that much pressure anymore or what? Ask, I'm sorry, can you say it again? What What's the positive of not filling the floor leader's job and having that fall to IGA? Uh, you know, because you're when you're a floor leader, you kind of alienate colleagues because you, you're you asking them to do things sometimes that they don't want well, to do and well, it adds attention. The, the floor leader model is a, is a long-time uh, institution. So individuals are familiar with it. They know that they'll have, a, that the colleague might be tasked with, asking them, you know, tough questions or, or can, you know, working with them to move them on legislation. I think the advantage of a floor leader as a member of the council is that that individual can be in rooms and spaces that the administration can't necessarily be in um, at different times and can gather intelligence and be part of conversations that provide insight into how best to move forward on a particular piece of legislation. Um, but there you have allies who could give you that feedback too. Sure, sure. Like I said, there are other ways to do it, uh, and those are all under advisement. We're open to um, to considering all kinds of models. What we want ultimately uh, 
is a collegial functioning uh, aldermanic body that can work with the administration to do what's right for the people of Chicago. And that's what we'll the zoning chair. How about the zoning chair? That's the key position. Who's going to get that? We will have a zoning chair, and we're yeah. And who's we're, that going to be? Who are the candidates? Well, I'm not going to be able to, to 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 communicate that in this interview, but we will have a zoning chair. Uh, the transition is going to occur uh, on December one, one, and we will have a zoning chair. How big a setback is this politically for Mayor Johnson? Rich Daly dumped his floor leader seven years in. Pat Hules was involved in a corruption scandal. Rahm Emanuel stayed with Pat O'Connor for all eight years through two, term, two terms. Lori Leifert replaced Gil Viegas after two ineffective years. She didn't improve her contentious relationship with the council. The mayor didn't make it to six months. Well, well first of all, you know, the mayor doesn't have a contentious relationship with city council. Uh, the mayor has been able to advance some of the most progressive uh, legislation consistent with his values and his campaign promises in, in six months. And we're on track to continue that record. We're on track to have a very successful budget uh, and do everything that the mayor said he would do. Um, invest in people, uh, invest particularly in communities that have been disadvantaged and marginalized uh, and do it without uh, breaking the backs of the working people or the backbone of the city. He's also done it facing an unprecedented generational uh, crisis that was that he inherited that has only grown uh, due to no uh, uh, fault of his own. And so the mayor feels very good about where the city is and where he is and where the administration is at this point. Obviously we have many challenges uh, first and foremost, the, the the migrant crisis, which is exasperating um, and 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 exploiting existing tensions uh, in the city, and he's doing everything in his power to arrest that crisis, to get it under control, and find a sustainable path forward. But we don't see this uh, as a major political setback. It is a growing and learning moment for both the city council and the city, Baldwin Rosa, and the administration itself, and we'll learn lessons. And we will only become stronger uh, in all dimensions because of it. The budget, as we know, includes only $150 million for the migrant crisis. That's less than half than you're spending now, less than half than what you need. I know you want the state and federal government to come up with some more money. But good luck holding your breath on that one. And if you don't get it, you need a backup plan. What is the backup plan? The Civic Federation says you need well, one. Well, let's start with the first thing you said, because I, I think it's important. You, the, the federal government, the, the people of Chicago are constituents of both the federal government and the state. So the mayor, along with the automatic body, along with the people of Chicago are advocating for their state representatives, the governor and the president for support. It's not just the mayor. The mayor is leading the advocacy, but he's joined with millions of people who do not think that Chicago should have to bear the full financial responsibility for what is a global, national, and state crisis. And so these are just facts and realities that have to be evaluated. Everyone must bear responsibility for what's happening in Chicago and other cities and at the border uh, because because ultimately that is the responsibility of leadership. Uh, we are pursuing these resources diligently. Conversations are being had that are promising. 
fortunately, the money from the federal government is tied up into other things like Ukraine funding, Israel funding, things that the president of the United States must advance. And so we have a real opportunity for a deal to be forged uh, that produces uh, you know, significantly more resource for the city of Chicago from the federal government. Um, okay, good. But what, but, but what if it's not enough? Then what? Where do you turn? Look, at the end of the day, you know, there are laws of physics and math that affect reality. If there's no money and there's no willingness or ability to provide money, then we have to look at how do we function within the resources that we have. That is the obvious reality of any uh, government, whether it be the migrant crisis or public safety or streets and sanitation. We have to find ways to function within the resources that we have, and we are likely to to get. The point so is, you have to raise property taxes or deplete your reserves and lower your bond Look, rating. We, we, we've already been clear about you know our position on on the the addiction to fines, fees, and property taxes, and the role that is played in driving. Okay, so then you'd have to re- deplete the reserves. Is that the only option? But I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna commit to that. What I've said is. We will have to make do within the resources uh, that we are able to acquire. We will How? acquire the resources in How ways that are. How do you do that? How do you do that? What make do? Well, you where? have to. Do, you what? have to look. You have the, the same way you do in any other uh, expenditure. You look at how do you save costs. How do you, uh, you know, structure it to to relieve the financial burden. Uh, what other uh, mechanisms can you use that don't cost as much? We know what the ideal version of this mission looks like because our goal ultimately is to make sure that we do not have, um, you know, disorder and disruption on our streets, that we don't grow our homeless population by two to three X, that we find ways to shelter and, you know, create a pathway to where individuals no longer rely upon uh, uh, you know, city resources if they are continued to come to Chicago. We're also communicating to individuals uh, and nonprofits and others on the border that the situation in Chicago is not necessarily amenable to 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 a lot of the support that individuals want just based on our own constraints. That message is getting to the border. We have seen uh, somewhat of a reduction in buses over recent weeks. Uh, There are likely to be significant changes to border policy as a result of this budget resolution. There is likely to be more money coming. And the city of Chicago will do what it has to do to try to do the best it can to deal with the international crisis. Our ability to deal with it is not unlimited. We've always said that and everyone knows it. And every other city dealing with this has been crystal clear. Uh, It was another meeting last night in Brighton Park where local residents vented their anger over the proposed winterized base camp you want to build at 38th and California on a formal industrial site that residents suspect is contaminated. What do the tests show and how are you going to go about forcing these tent camps down the throats of these local neighborhoods that don't want it? Just just to be clear, that meeting, my understanding, was held by an alderman of another ward. Yeah. Which is okay, but 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 the is, anger still which the same, is unbelievable. Jason. It doesn't matter. Which is unbelievable okay. Unprecedented. So I think that should be noted that some people okay. feel the need to do things that don't make any sense for their own political, you know, platform, and that's not helpful in this moment. In fact, you could argue that it is actually 
dangerous in this moment, given what uh, what's happening in the city of Chicago. So I don't want to gloss over that, Fran, if you okay. indulge me. Sure. Uh, and You're so- talking about Ray Lopez, who's running for Congress. We know that. OK, but the anger is there. It's palpable. It's in course, every community that you want to put these 10 camps for elected officials to go out of their way to fuel it. There are real okay. negative consequences that happen when individuals go out of their way out of their out of their purview to fuel anger and dissension. I'll just I'll, I'll leave that there because given the context of how this call began, I think it's important that we call that out if we're going to get the city on a better path. That said, um, look, we are taking every step, every due diligence to make sure that what we're doing complies with all uh, legal, environmental and ethical standards. We have not received the results of the study. Uh, when they are in, we are going to do additional vetting on those results. Uh, and we will share those with the public at, alongside the final decision to, to construct a camp on that site. The contract that we signed, the contract that we signed had a clause allowing us to get out of the contract if the environmental study came back proving that the site was uninhabitable for people. And so we are protected in that way and we will only do what is in the best interest of human beings. Okay, but what, how do you force these tent camps down the throats of these neighbors that don't want it? <laughs> I, I assume that's a that's an honest question, and I'll answer it honestly. Again, this is a crisis that well, the mayor. Well, I mean, I'm, why are you laughing? Because it is true; because, these because, communities because, don't because, want it. Because nobody nobody wants to deal with a global international crisis. Nobody wants to have their police stations. Um, you know, filled with individuals needing respite and not being able to focus on uh, uh, the, the 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 function of public safety. Nobody wants thousands of people sleeping on the streets uh, in the dead of winter. Nobody wants any of this. So it's like, how did an international crisis or an international patterns of global migration movements force any of this down any of our throats? All the only option that we have as as people as leaders is to figure out the best way to move forward. Uh, And we know that sacrifices are being made. We know that this is difficult for any community. There's not a single community that's saying, we're the ones that are are soliciting this. There's not one single community that is saying, hey, we're we're, we're open. But there are communities, and and I'll use the example, um, two examples actually, uh, uh, where we were able to work with leadership to come up with situations that could have long-term benefit uh, for communities. Uh, you think about the MWRD uh, site in the 39th Ward, which can hopefully be repurposed at some point for the community. And then you think about what just happened yesterday with Alderman Mosley, where we're gonna mm-hmm. be able to not only have a shelter, but eventually redevelop land that has been dormant for 20 years in a community desperately needing uh, a, a redevelopment for a lower cost than we would have been had the city not been able to work with Alderman Mosley to secure this land and also catalyze other investments, not just investments for after the migrant shelter, when after the migrant shelter is gone, but investments for for uh, during. And so this is the model ultimately that we are trying to uh, lift up as the model moving forward, that yes, we have to deal with this crisis, but we can do it in ways that ultimately will accrue to the benefit of people who have already been living here and at some point, the, 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 the asylum seekers will become part of the fabric of these communities and also benefit from investments that were made long term. 
After the budget is passed, there'll be the search for new revenue with a subcommittee chaired by freshman Alderman William Hall. Where will you look first? The service tax, sales tax on services, professional services, video gaming. I mean, a lot of the ideas that the mayor campaigned on, the business community is dead set against. The head tax, the jet fuel tax, the financial transaction tax. You're asking a lot of the business community with all these other progressive pieces of legislation and the transaction tax that you hope to pass in March. So where will you look first for this search for new revenue that you need so badly? Well, the mayor was elected to serve all of Chicago, including the business community, but also a lot of other communities. And a lot of other communities have been speaking for years about the burden that fines, fees, and property taxes have placed on them. And we need to make sure that that conversation is put at least in equal uh, uh, importance as uh, the conversation from the business community. Both are important. But if you don't do something, you end up defaulting to the same uh, sure. policy have hurt people and they've been saying, hey, what about us? Yes, uh, so of course. That, that, so where do you look first? Do you go to the right. service so, tax? So, do you go so to all, video so, game? So I, where? I think it's important to start there because the question is why? Why is it important for us to find alternative forms of revenue? Why did we even propose some of these ideas in the first place? This is because of what we heard from these other communities that have been begging for relief. So sure. we have been in talking to the business community. We're talking to other experts. We're talking to other uh, you know, regular everyday Chicagoans. There is uh, in energy in the city council. And in fact, there's also energy in the business community. I mean, they're not going to say it publicly, but in closed doors and rooms with us, they've talked about coming to the table with different revenue ideas that they think are more palatable. Now, like some of them- what? Like what? They, they, they've had a host of ideas. I don't want to privy those conversations through this channel because some of those ideas you know, are Why controversial because some of those ideas may be perceived as controversial, even amongst some of them, but they're trying to workshop and be constructive. And I want to let that process play out before I, I, I communicate that broadly before folks are comfortable. But it's about sitting multiple stakeholders at, at, at the table, which we've done. Uh, folks have come to the table in ways they never have because of the, the, the standards that the mayor, the, the values that the mayor's laid forward and the priorities that the mayor's laid forward. So I feel good about coming up with solutions. Springfield uh, has to be part of the conversation, have to socialize ideas with legislatures in both chambers and leadership um, and, and, and the governor as well. This is a multidimensional conversation that you have to have if you're truly serious about revenue. It's not just about- Sounds proposals. like the service tax. I mean, they need to approve that. And, and that's been the right, big money item all these years. It still hasn't happened. Of course, and, and, and we have to work to have these conversations to see what the temperature and appetite is and what kind of coalition we can build for various forms of legislation that may have been difficult to do. But we've already done hard things. This mayor has already done hard things that people didn't think was possible, and he's done them in six weeks while facing a crisis that very few uh, could have predicted in terms of the scale and intensity. So if anybody can figure out a path forward on this, I believe it's this mayor. Uh, and you can see that by what has already been accomplished vis-a-vis, -vis, uh, you know, uh, the pension collaborations with uh, Local 2, with the FOP, things that people didn't think were possible uh, have been achieved. And so we're confident that what you put the right people at the table with the right motivation, the right leadership, we will come up with solutions that help us meet the fiscal needs of this city because we will be 
continuing to invest in people to make Chicago as great as it can be. And it's already great. Your plan early on was to be Mr. Outside and run the mayor's political apparatus, but you came into the administration because the mayor had not really fully, uh, fully put in together a team. Are you going to stay long term? Do you like it? I serve at the pleasure of the mayor. Um, and right now, we are laser focused on what's in front of us uh, and we'll continue to work. I'll continue to work uh, as long as he'll have me. Uh, uh, and as long as I can be of any value uh, to him and to the city. Sounds like you're here long term. Your mom is running for mayor of Houston before we let you go. Sheila Jackson Lee is a former longtime or is a congresswoman in Texas. How's her campaign going? What lessons did you learn in politics from her that you're using now? Well, our, her campaign is, is going well. Last night, uh, there was the first round election. Uh, there is a runoff. She comfortably made the runoff. And so now a, a new phase begins. Obviously, that's something that, that we in Chicago are very familiar with. Uh, and she'll continue to make her case to the voters of Houston. She has a long record of service um, and, and leadership and has delivered a lot of, for the city of Houston. And so I know that the voters will evaluate that and she will put her best foot forward uh, for the remainder of this campaign. I think from her uh, what I learned the most is that leadership begins with love. And I think that is the commonality from her service and the mayor's service is that the best motivator and the best inspiration for public service is a true love for people, uh, a true belief that people deserve more and that your service should be directed towards achieving those ends. If that's what grounds you, uh, you have the opportunity to be effective and have a long career. Uh, if other things are motivating you, uh, the likelihood of missteps, errors, and other things are stronger. Uh, you have to be in it for the right reasons. That's what I learned from her. That's what I attracted me to, to Mayor Brandon Johnson. Jason Lee, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate uh, all your uh, your uh, knowledge and your political background, and uh, we will see you all next week. Thank you, friends. My pleasure.